Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day, and welcome to Thrive Deeper, episode 118. It's your old mate, DJ Payne here, and thank you so much for tuning into your favorite Bible study podcast. I'm going to keep saying that until it's true, okay? Uh, on this fortnight's episode, Matthew Jacoby and I sit down, and this is our final part of our two part series on the book of Numbers. We've just come out of a three part series of Leviticus, we're about to enter into a two part series on Deuteronomy. This is it on the book of Numbers. So much to get through on this week's episode. So many crazy stories that happen in the book of Numbers. Some interesting characters we're going to introduce you to today. Plus, I've got some great news for you about our social media and some very exciting stuff you can get involved in as well. So keep on listening to this week's edition of Thrive Deeper. Matthew, it's a big day today. Uh, not only are we here sitting opposite each other in our new studio, mm. recording uh, Numbers Part 2 for mm. Thrive Deeper, our 118th episode. Mm. We're also trying something new for the first time. After we finish this, if we finish on time, hopefully everything goes yeah. well, we're going to try our first live Q&A right. in our brand new Thrive Supporters group, a okay. new private group on Facebook. Good. It's all happening. Uh, really... Uh, Putting me on the spot there know. for a live Q and A. A live Q and A. Well, I'm like here to challenge. I'm here to help you as well. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you feel free. <laughs> if the question's too hard, you can always throw it to me. You know, like well, bring actually, up the I think you'd be pretty good at it. To be honest, <laughs> I, you depends, could be, depends on the uh, question. Yeah. It totally depends on the question and what type of answer you want. It does, yeah. Whether or not you bring me into it. Yeah. Numbers part two uh, today. We spent even though there's about thirty six or so chapters in in yeah. the book of Numbers, we only got through fifteen. <laughs> In the last episode. So we've got a huge chunk to get through the majority of the book. We're Uh, going big picture. But that's, as I've often said before, it's it's actually a great way to talk about the story of the Bible because uh, the the most important thing is the way that the stories go from one to the next and the sequence and what's being said through that sequence. Yeah. So if we have a look at Overview, to give you a bit of a setting, we recommend that you obviously go back and listen to our last episode, 117, as an introduction to Numbers. But we've got Moses and the Israelites. They have, uh, you know, we've been with them through the book of Exodus as they've come out of slaves out of the land of Egypt. They've, uh, you know, God has been, uh, you know, communicating with them, showing them how he's going to have a relationship with them, giving them laws and rules and regulations to enter into this new relationship with the Lord God uh, in the tabernacle. And now, as they've got that all sorted in the book of Leviticus, we move into Numbers. And and so God says, right, we have that sorted. Moses and Aaron are your leaders. It is now time to move on to the promised land. Let me number you. This is where we get the name of the book. Let me, uh, let's have a census Talk about our, you know, how many young men are there, military age, mm. ready to go as because the next part of the Israelites, his, you know, uh, journey is going to be very mil- militaristic yep. as they have to take over this land from the, uh, mm. you know, from the Canaanites and everybody in there. Uh, let's move on. And we have in the first 15 chapters, they move from Mount Sinai, uh, they travel, they start complaining. Mm. As soon as the travel hits, they start complaining. And now we have them in Paran. In Paran. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't know the right way to pronounce that. That'll do. That'll yep. do. Uh, I'm doing the Melbourne uh, mm. translation. They're in the wilderness of Paran there, Paran. Uh, and uh, they've, you know, scouted out. There's been a judgment. This has been the crucial part of mm. numbers that we have to understand Everyone that has witnessed what God has done, the generation that has witnessed what God has done, bringing them out of Egypt, being there for Mount Sinai, everyone who is numbered in the original census, God says, 
You've made your decision. You will not enter the land. You're now going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of you are dead. And the next generation is going to come through. That's right. So it's the everyone under 20 that's going to go through. So everyone over 20 yeah. is that uh, that generation is going to die out in the desert. And this is really one of the most important moments in the story because uh, God in essentially saying, there, I've given you the land. Now go take it. But they won't. They don't. Yeah. And again, it's it underscores what is... Uh, a biblical theme and and really ramps up in the New Testament, the idea that in order to receive what God has promised, uh, it's not something that we earn. We just need faith. And it was their their unwillingness to trust God mm. by going in and taking the land that meant that they didn't receive it. Yeah. Um, it's not that they had to earn it in any way. No, uh, they just needed to trust God and go in and take the land. And that's what. And then we are introduced. And that's what they refused to do. Yeah, all except for you know everybody right. under twenty yeah. and Joshua and Caleb, that's these right. wonderful yeah. men of faith yeah. who who have who look who basically are almost indignant at everybody going. No, God promised that He's going to be with us. Haven't you yeah. seen <clears throat> what we've seen? We're yeah. going to be fine. Yeah, and they can't they can't believe the rebellion that has taken place. Rebellion is a th- Theme through the That's right, and and where we pick up today uh, with the uh, rebellion of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Mm. So th- this is actually the uh, what what is happening here is um, the combination of two distinct groups uh, of people. So yeah. uh, the uh, the Korahites are uh, Levites. Uh, the other group, Dathan and Abiram, they are actually Reubenites. Now they um, they revolt together. Uh, you, remember we talked about the encampment around yes. the um, uh, around the tabernacle. Yeah. So the Levites are, are in the centre, but they're encamped all around. Yeah. And so they're to the south of the tabernacle, the Korahites. But so are these Reubenites, Reubenites. as well. So, so they're, they're right next to yeah, each other. Yeah, they're right next to each other, <laughs> complaining together, yeah, complaining together. Yeah. Uh, about you know who who does Moses think he is and Aaron and and it's it's a power struggle here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So God had called Moses and Aaron. Um, but they're not, you know. It's it's that classic worldly mindset, you know. Um, of, of with the best power. place for us to be is is what God is calling us to, and and God hadn't called them; He'd called Moses and Aaron to the leadership. They had their role yeah. uh, as well, um, but they're just not happy with that. And so there's this uh, rebellion: uh, one a group of Levites and the other a group of Reubenites, and so. Um, um, this is in chapter yeah, sixteen. This is this is in chapter sixteen. So, so this basically begins a sort of longish section of the story, uh, where the authority of God's chosen priesthood is challenged and vindicated, and and a really a further sense of authorization of that. And we've already had that. You know, we've had that theme sort of start with even you know within the camp, within the closest of the closest. You know, we read we you know we read last week, Miriam and uh, yeah, you know Aaron, yeah, that's right. Moses' yeah. own brother and yeah. sister. Yeah, so Sh- there's rebellion all over the place. There's here. Rebe- yeah. That's that's been sorted out. That so the team this this you know we've got to remember that Moses and Aaron are Levites themselves. Yeah, you know they're the, they're the top of the pile there. They're you know working very hard for the people, following God's commands. Korah and his you know and the other families, yeah. uh, you know say. What's going on here? And then we get this most amazing scene of Moses saying, you know, basically saying, look, if 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 God is with you, let God be with you. If he's with me, he's with me. And if he is with me, something crazy is going to happen. Like the, 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 the uh, uh, like you can always yeah. hear Moses sort of making it up off the yeah. top of his head. Like, nah, the earth is going to open up beneath you and swallow you up. Yeah. Next minute. That's he, what happens. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the, you know, there's this, but everyone move away from the tents of those. Yeah. But it's, a, it's quite a... Uh, it's quite a gruesome scene. So uh, they, they're, you know, they're all swallowed up. That they and their families, because again, we're thinking uh, in our individualistic world uh, that's difficult for us. But yeah. everything worked in in family units in the ancient world. You didn't separate a person from their yeah. uh, from their family. That was the the sort of level of responsibility. And is it right for me to say, you know, almost looking ahead, I'm I'm seeing a pattern here emerge to get them ready for what's going to happen in the promised land, as in it's going to be pretty full on. You yeah. don't just get rid of the guy who's standing up the front rebellion. You get rid of the whole family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. you know, Because they're going to be expected to do that. And we'll, we'll get into that in the book of Numbers. Yeah. We see a really clear case towards the end there. But they, it's, they've got to get into this thinking like they're all got to go. 
Yeah, well, and, and again, uh, the, the level of faith uh, and discipline that it's going to take when they to enter the land. Yes. These lessons need to be learned. Like this is a this is a bit of a rabble. These people have been slaves oh. uh, and and they've got to learn that in their new freedom, in a sense they are in a sense the slave of God. Yeah. Uh, that they, they still have a master. Amen. They they're not without a master. Yeah. Uh, they they're with God who is not just a slave master but their loving father. So but nevertheless, th- this discipline and trust that's going to be needed uh you know, is that's what they're going to need going into the land. So this seems, uh, this seems harsh, but it's, you know, remember this is these people have seen amazing things. Now there's there there is certainly grace here. It's an amazing story of little story of grace that's easy to miss here because later on, uh, in Numbers, um, you know, when it gets to the census, it's yeah. pointed out that there was a descendant of Korah. Of Korah. So because yeah. you think everyone's wiped out, yeah. but actually yeah. there's a descendant uh, of Korah and. And the the line that comes from this descendant of Korah that become known as the sons of Korah, yeah. um, they are you know not only spared from this, not only are they allowed to um, to keep going, but they actually become the temple musicians, yeah. and they write a number of the psalms. They team up with David and yeah. become Dave's backing band, basically. You know, we're, working <laughs> we're not with... sure exactly when, but uh, but <laughs> they, that we we do know that they they don't, seem to have written some psalms. Don't let the facts spoil a good yeah, you know okay. imagination story. <laughs> I, I've heard about a group called Sons of Korah, a band called mm. Sons of Korah. They're not too shabby, not too shabby. Yeah. Uh, so we get this we get this crazy story. That's a beautiful point. You know, there is grace there with this. You know, with the descent, there are descendants from Korah mm. who, who go on, and I love the fact that the Sons of Korah weren't were you know in this age of political correctness that we yeah. live in now yeah imagine calling yourself i am the descendant of the person who yeah. did really wrong yeah. and was killed for it you know type of thing we we sort of want to move away from well that. it's interesting that they that that group of musicians are actually consistently known as that yes because they're actually kohathites yeah and and elsewhere but in you know when the titles of the psalms it's like sons of Christ. just yeah. a reminder yes of god's grace i love it uh, here which is which is great. i love it now around around that rebellion we also have the plague from god come yeah. and a whole bunch of men who stood yeah. with with them yeah. die yeah uh and again i'm just going to go fast forward yeah you tell me to stop Look, i'm spinning a wheel here of the chapters yeah. and you grab it when you want to stop uh chapter 17 we see um again another challenge to the Levite to the rule. Yep. Aaron is Aaron is uh, proven uh, the the right leader there because his staff blossoms. God does a miracle with his staff blossoming there, so he's he's signifying the yeah. Levites. So, so let, let me say something about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, specifically, the the staff blossoms into an almond an Beautiful. almond tree. Yeah. Um, now, can you think of somewhere else where we've seen the symbol of an almond tree uh, in? In the, in the Torah so, so, far. so far? Yeah, so far. I'm thinking of Exodus. <laughs> no, you've got me. Oh, when they came out of Egypt? No. No, oh, you've no. got me. Okay. So the lampstand yes. in the holy place of the temple oh, was to be shaped yeah. as an almond tree with almond yes. blossoms. Yes, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, so it's, it's linked with that. So this idea wow. of... Uh, in a sense, the, the lampstand was a symbol of what Israel were to be, mm. the light to the nations, okay? Mm. Uh, uh, you know, and and so, you know, it's shaped like an almond tree and there's this sense of them bearing this fruit, yeah. which is to be the light uh, to the nations. And so it's not an arbitrary sign. It's not just a trick. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it could have been anything, you know, maybe yes. what, you know, that their staff could get up or turn into a snake or yes. something. Yes. No, it's actually, it's going to bud and turn into an almond branch because yeah. that's the calling of God's people. It's, it's beautiful, isn't it? And it also, it, it was a really, um, reading about that again, it reminded me that these are shepherds. This is a yeah. shepherd class of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. So they the, have the, their staffs. They have yeah. their staffs. It's not just that. Like, I think there's a little bit, and I'm going way out of here on a limb. I've just watched a few videos of some modern so-called, you know, prophets and preachers yeah. preaching now with a staff in their hand. What? And and banging a staff, and it's like it's almost like they're Gandalf or something. And I'm like, no, no, you've. I think you've missed the point. The staffs yeah. that Moses and Aaron had were actually working. Shepherd types, you know, yeah. like type of yeah. things. This is their culture. This yeah. is what they lived in. They weren't magic wands. Well, I haven't seen that trend. <laughs> I'll, Maybe I'll join that. 
uh, walk <laughs> no. around with a staff that'll make me look like <laughs> as long as it um, blossoms. As long as it blossoms and yeah. we get some nuts out of it, that's okay. Yeah. So we we have uh, at the end of that section. Yeah. Uh, actually, we have the Israelites. Once this is manifest, that you know this miracle of the staff budding, they 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 say we're done for. I mean, you know, they've after this rebellion, you yeah. know, God's done something amazing. Um, uh, and so uh, there is, you know, they they're saying. Uh, anyone who comes near the tabernacle, we're, we're, we're going to die. So what you then get is in chapter 18 yeah. is this uh, section on the duties of priests and Levites. Beautiful. In fact, the, the answer, see, this is where it's connected because the previous section is all about um, understanding the role of the Aaronic priesthood, okay, that yeah. they are to act as mediators. And that's an important symbol for what for what all of God's people are going to be. So it's a very it's very important that they recognize that that actually is God's answer mm. In, in sort of uh, typological symbolic form, you know, mm. that's God's answer to the question of how can we as sinful people relate to a holy God. Yeah. And so uh, that's where we get uh, right after they say we're lost, we're all done for, we're going to die yep. because no one can come near the tabernacle and not die. God draws attention. Well, in fact, this is exactly what yeah. the uh, the uh, priests are about. And so um, it goes into a section about the priests and, and their level of responsibility. And then we have uh, a section about how the people can honour those priests and Levites. That's with the tithes and offerings. That's and with everything. the tithe, yes. tithes and offerings. So remember, there's been a rebellion against this priestly family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now God is saying... Uh, here's a way that you can honour these priests, and this is through these uh, through these offerings. And then, and then, and then, in the next chapter, we have this really weird part about a red heifer. Yeah, the red heifer, the red cow. Yeah, that's right. About cleansing waters, and you know, cutting off the unclean, all the, all these type of things. Is there any significance <laughs> with a red heifer? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a few um, there's a few red things uh, going on uh, in this. So you've got this red brown coloured heifer. Yeah. Uh, you've got to, the couple of other key ingredients here: a cedar, which is a, a red wood that's yes. uh, spoken of, uh, that's uh, significant, and then scarlet wool. So everything here is red. red. Now, why would it all be red? Blood. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so um, the this is all in the context of dealing with defilement through. Uh, uh, um, contact with a dead body, yeah. which at this stage, there's been a lot of death in the camp. Yes, uh, in terms of judgment, and there's going to be a yeah. lot more. Now, the the importance of this, um, and, and I, I know this seems strange to us, but again, there's a symbolism here about the connection between sin and death. Okay, so this is where the even touching a dead body. It's not just about hygiene. I mean, it's you know that may be part of it, but that's not even the most important part. It's because the, the the idea of having contact with a dead body, and particularly at this time, there's been lots of death in the camp, okay? So this highlights the need and, and any contact with a death, dead body should highlight the mortal, broken condition of our humanity, okay? Yep. Uh, remember these these things, these moments like same with skin diseases or an issue of bleeding, or these aren't the things that make us spiritually unclean, they become the things that remind us that we are spiritually unclean, okay? So any contact with death, any kind of contact with death becomes a key reminder. You are unclean, you need cleansing. And so uh, so this ceremony um, is is attached to this, and, and there's, there's a sort of depth around the symbolism of touching a dead body. This really gets us to the core of the problem, yeah. you know, that death caused through sin. And so the okay. answer to this is read this, read that, read, 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 read. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and the other thing is, is this water of cleansing. Mm. Uh, so the red heifer that's burned up, you know, um, with, you know, with the cedar and it's all of this red stuff that's burned up and it's, it's, you know, the ashes are sprinkled in, in this water, water okay, yeah. which is then used for cleansing. So it's it's another very graphic way in a world that thought in symbols. Again, yes. we, we need to remember that these people are far more accustomed to thinking in quite complex symbolism. Even their language forms were uh, more pictorial and symbolic okay, yep. in the ancient yep. world. So they're used to thinking in symbols. So this is speaking in a language that they understand. Um, and so it's all about this water of cleansing through the symbolism of the red heifer and the scarlet and the scarlet wool and and, and the um, uh, and the cedar. 
sprinkle the ashes, and this is the water that creates the cleansing. So it's a, it, in fact, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful kind of imagery of what we now understand as the efficacy of the blood of Christ that makes us possible for us to be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, uh, cleansed of of death in a sense, uh, in in a, in a spiritual sense as well as in a literal sense. Ultimately. Um, and of course, uh, water is the great symbol of the Holy Spirit, yeah. uh, the, the, the sort of cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. So this symbolism here connects very much with what we are actually experiencing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. So we move into chapter 20. Chapter 20 is a is a is another key chapter in the book of Numbers. We have, well, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll say two and a half deaths in yeah. chapter 20. <laughs> right. We have Miriam yeah. dying at the yeah. beginning. We have Aaron dying at the end. Yeah. And in the middle, we have Moses sealing his own death, though it's hap- it happens a lot, a lot later. Yeah. But Moses does something with yep. the bringing water from the rock. And Moses, in a, in a very, in our modern mind, going, oh, yep. that's, that's not a big sin. Yeah. But it was, he disobeyed God. Yeah, that's right. And, and not only disobeyed God, brought attention to himself and put himself yep. maybe where God should have been in the, in yeah. the you know. So it's always. Um, uh, okay, let me say something about Moses' sin in a moment. I'm just yeah. going to make a general comment. With this. So by the time we get to chapter 20, yeah. we're at the end of the 40 years. Yeah. That's, I think, an important marker. Yeah. Yeah. So if you follow, and this becomes apparent when you follow the, the stages in the journey later, and we know that by the time we're here, uh, we're at the end of the journey. So in, 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 a, in a space of like five or so chapters, it basically covers, not even four or five chapters, it's like fast forward 40 years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, And that actually is one of the bits of the significance of this because this water from the rock thing and the grumbling, there's no water. Now, this has happened before. Yeah. Almost the mirror image of just, uh, yes. you know. Now, if you've read through, you know, from Exodus, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a long time yeah. Uh, you know, when you're reading that this has happened, but in fact, um, this is actually 40 years. And God's done a lot of things in that 40 years. There's been a lot of faithfulness. There's been many miracles of provision in that 40 years. And yet when they have no water, it's like almost like they're coming back to the beginning. After 40 years, mm-hmm. they have actually gone no further in terms of their faith. That is that that generation. Mm-hmm. And so that's the sense that you get here, okay, that they've, that they've not gone. They've just not gotten any further. It's the same, yep. same things, uh, over and over same again. grumbling. Yep. Uh, and God says, "Speak to the rock, Moses." Um, and okay, so this is where you get. Uh, then Moses strikes the rock, and God says, "Look, because you do this, you're not going to enter the land." Um, you know, by this stage, it's always and the other the other point there is is Moses, depending on the translation, basically says something like. You know, he's he's. You can just yeah. hear. The he's really utter, angry. Yeah, he's at the end of his at the end of his yeah. rope. He's so he's old. Yeah. He's been through this, and he says, "Must we, you know, bring water out of this rock?" Yeah, you that's know, he puts right. Me, he put instead. He doesn't say God, which he's done in the past. Yeah, he now puts him and Aaron in that place. Yeah. So there's a there's a, a yeah. Level so something's that. going a little uh, something's going a little wrong there, and yeah. uh, you know maybe God in. Maybe there's a there's a mercy here, and that God is going to take him away before this gets any worse. Because yeah. there's a few. It's like this is this seems like a it's it's like a a small blotch on my skin. Uh, yeah. You know, becomes uh, the sign that I uh, you know I've got melanoma that's yes. going to kill me. You know yeah. what I mean? And and this you know it, it seems like a small blotch mm. uh, for Moses. The fact that he says that yeah. and then strikes the rock. Bit is putting on a bit of a show here, in front, yeah. and there's a bit of frustration. Yeah. And anger and strikes her. Nothing happens. He strikes it again. Yeah. He said, you know, yeah, the, 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 you know, the <laughs> yeah. writer says, look, you know, Moses yeah. overseeing. You know, this, yeah. the, the the book we put it together. You know, yeah. he strikes it twice, and it's like, it's almost like God gave him a chance for that first with that first yeah. strike to say, "All right, buddy, but are no, you going to do what I'm going to? Yeah, yeah. And, do he, what and he I strikes say. it again, and he says, "All right, you know, okay, okay I'm going to provide water. Yeah. I'll provide water, but you've sealed your own. You've sealed your judgment yeah. here. So, um. Yeah, yeah, so that you know that you know again, it, it seems like a slight blotch the actual action itself, but yeah. um, you know, but there's something go- going on, and you know, there for, for Moses and and the, you know, and the other beautiful thing of this. Sorry, Matt, to interrupt. Yeah, we don't get a record of, and I believe you know, there's a reason for it of Moses turning around and going, ah, oh, yeah. Mo- yeah, there, there's no grumbling. There's well, this no gr- is the yeah, this is the thing. There's no grumbling on yeah. Moses' part. Yeah, uh, and. 
you know, because c- it's interesting uh, in even after the, the judgment on Korah and, and his followers, I mean, the people complain. They say to Moses, look what you've done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. This isn't fair. This doesn't seem fair. But there's no sense from Moses that this isn't, that this isn't fair. I mean, it's partly that, you know, he, he with the level of responsibility, this, with the revelation that he's experienced, yeah. you know, to whom much is given, much will be required. He and so, so, you know, Moses doesn't have a problem with this. So if, you, if you're thinking, this is just not fair, yeah. uh, well, um, Moses doesn't think it's not fair. Uh, now, this isn't, you know, this doesn't mean that Moses has been rejected by God or that, you know, he's, that his salvation is in jeopardy. It's just that, you no, know, this is signals the fact that um, a new leader is needed for this new season. Uh, and, and that new leader is going to be Joshua. Yeah. We then, we then uh, you know, we say goodbye to Miriam and, and Aaron in yeah. that chapter. Chapter 21, there's a little skirmish there with the people of Arad. And then we have... I think for the final time in in chapter twenty one, and it might be the last of the people that are hanging on in this forty years. It might be the last of this generation. One more time, they bring out their favorite song. We don't like the food. Why did you take us up out of Egypt? We're not happy with you. Mm. And they really grumble and complain. And it's almost. And then we get a crazy story. And and it's one of those things where it's like a red flag flashing yep. in the text because it's so weird. Mm. I, I, like you've often said, Matt, when you get something that you go, "Man, that's weird." Yeah, I think we're supposed to be taking attention. Yep. You know, paying attention to this. God is angry, so He sends a you know a, a horde of poisonous snakes mm. throughout the encampment. Yeah, to bite the people, and they're dying as they're yep. getting bitten. Yeah. God tells Moses to make fashion a snake out of bronze. Yeah. But like I was surprised who knew that Moses had after all these years maybe with the tabernacle bit getting yeah. built he's picked up a bit of uh, craftsmanship yeah. himself there. He makes the snake out of bronze, puts it on a pole. Yeah. He stands in the middle of the camp and whoever comes and just looks all they have to do is look yeah, at the snake right. on the pole yeah. and the bites are healed. Yeah, that's right. Bizarre. Okay, yeah, it is bizarre, but there's a, there's a really uh, good point to all of this. And you're right. When you see something bizarre, it's often there's a really important point yeah. to make. So at the beginning of chapter 21, we really this is really where the next generation kicks in. Okay, so uh, Aaron, th- there's a sense in which the key people from that generation are now dying away. They have a, a victory now. So there's mm. they actually destroy uh, Arad. There's a sense that okay, they are willing to. Uh, do what the former generation did. So there's a sense of, okay, this, the, the, there is a sense of trust here. Okay. But while there's a sense of, of trust, they're willing to, they're willing to do what God has called them to do. Yet, um, yet there's also still, uh, still these problems here. Remember that, that I mean, that, that former generation is still on the way out, but the next generation certainly isn't perfect. And we're going to see this by the time we get, to the book of Judges, we're going to see that this generation is far from uh, far from perfect, um, and so you get this you know you get this grumbling in in this next uh, generation. Now, the uh, the symbolism of the serpent. Couple of things. They've been first of all they've been complaining about you know going back to Egypt. This is a yes. good thing. We should just go back to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Well, the serpent was the key sign of Egypt. Uh, the the if you have a look uh, Google uh, Pharaoh like yeah. Tutankhamun yeah. have a look at his headdress snakes. and on his headdress you'll see right on on top of his forehead yep. you'll see a carving of a snake yep. okay and the first miracle that Moses and Aaron did in front of Pharaoh had to do with snakes and the magicians yep. with their asp and all that yeah so that was they were they represented the power of Egypt yep. okay so you want to go back to Egypt right here you go here's Egypt so the yeah. snakes come in and, and they bite them. Uh, and also uh, remembering too that this the that Satan takes the form of a serpent yeah. in um, in uh, Genesis chapter three, and so you've got Egypt, the power of Egypt. It's kind of combined with the pa- the serpent of mm. of uh, Genesis chapter three, mm. uh, and so uh, this is really a symbol of the ultimate enemy mm. of you know that that they are uh, really playing into his hands in a sense. Um, but then we, we have this, um, uh, this remedy. So the, the standard, uh, and this is another, um, another thing from, uh, ancient Egypt where, uh, 
a, a, a kind of a standard or a symbol put up in a poll would be a kind of um, indication of uh, a certain deity's power. Okay, so yeah. here it serves to demonstrate that the Lord's power is present in the midst of the camp, uh, granting life to those. Okay, so it's like the very um, and 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 ultimately, really, uh, you know, it's it's an amazing symbol of Jesus who is lifted up. Uh, who we look to for salvation, we, who, as it says in the New Testament, that he became sin uh, for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And, and so it's an amazing, yeah. we, re- and we remember the story of, of, of Jesus meeting clandestinely with the Pharisee Nicodemus at night. And, and Jesus uses this story that yeah. Nicodemus would have taught hundreds and hundreds of times and knew it off by heart. He says, you know, just like yeah. You know, he uses what's going to happen to him. He prophesies about what Jesus prophesies to Nicodemus about what's going to happen to him is just like this incident we yeah, read yeah, here. That, yeah, exactly right. So um, that's Jesus, you know, connection with this. And and the thing about, in a sense, in the crucifixion of Christ, it wasn't Christ that was defeated on the cross. It was Satan who was de- uh, defeated on the cross. Now, what's happening here is that this raising up on the pole of the snake actually indicates this has been defeated. The power of the serpent has been defeated. And so when you look to the pole, you're reminded that the power of the serpent, the power of Satan has been defeated. That yeah. was, in a sense, what that raising up the bronze serpent, serpent demonstrated mm. in the same way as that when we look to the cross – there's that symbolism in in the cross that Satan has been defeated. There's a, there's a, there's a question here. I don't know. We're trying to fly over, you know, at thirty thousand yeah. feet here, Matt. But there's an area of study here that I haven't gone into, but I want to. Yeah. And I wonder if you've you've gone down this road as well. I know we've talked about in the past about the the idea of what the seraphim were. Yeah. Because yeah. seraphim yeah. is closely related to yeah. the snake. Yeah. Seraphim. You know, we you know we read about seraphim in the in right at the beginning. You know, Satan yep. somehow being in the garden through a seraphim yep. snake, same sort of word. It also conjures up the idea of fire. Yeah, you know, because because yep. some of the old translations of the poisonous snakes in this chapter it talks about fiery snakes. Yeah, you know, cruel snakes. You know, yep. the idea of poisonous. Also comes the sense with burning, yep. you know, type of thing. Is there anything there deeper to look into that? I think I think it has to do with the snake as a symbol of power, and of course that's the case uh, in Egypt. Um, uh, th- there is this pa- not not the power of size, but the you know the 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 power of the bite, yeah. you know, and and the you know, the, the poison and, but also the connection of the, of snakes to the idea of, of a dragon. And in, in ancient uh, mythology, you get um, sort of the kind of ubiquitous presence of dragons, you know, these yes. great serpents, uh, Tiamat, who's the, the serpent associated with the realm of chaos and death in the mm. ocean. And, um, and so it's, it's a symbol of, it's a symbol of great power. Uh, and, uh, and so, so somehow the, the the seraph and the connection of the, you know that word with the idea of serpent, you know the idea of power. Perhaps there's some connection there. Yeah. Sometimes it's we don't always know exactly where these symbols come from. No. They may well have made more sense to an ancient context. Okay. If you're looking for what's a powerful symbol, like you know, in more uh, you know often modern context, you know, might have a a, a like a, a lion or something. You know, we have yeah. To, Oh, or something had, like that, or, or if we had to, you know, say something powerful, we might go, you know, it's it's a nuclear reaction or a yeah, bomb yeah. or something yeah, yeah. more warfare. Yeah. I mean, they That's didn't right. live in they yeah. didn't live in that type yeah. of warfare type of thing. Yeah, so it could be something like that. Though. Okay, let's let's take a quick break. We've we've um, we've left the left the Israelites there. Uh, you know, in chapter twenty one, we'll just say that you know Moses begins now after this bronze snake incident. Yeah. There's a few military, you know, they're on the outskirts. Yeah. You know, the old generation is almost all gone. Yeah. Moses being the leader of them. They're having a few little battles. God is dealing with them. They're doing well. They're doing well. Then we're about to get one of the craziest characters that we're ever introduced to in the book of Genesis. (laughs) I mean, in the the Old Testament. Cannot wait to get to this guy. We're going to talk about that next here on Thrive Deeper. (laughs) 
your old mate DJ here and uh, I want to let you know that we are changing up the way we do our social media. Yeah, you've heard me talking about it in the past, but it's really happening. We're, we're changing our groups. We're getting rid of the Thrive Deeper group. We're getting rid of the Thrive Perspectives group. We're keeping our Thrive Today Facebook page. You'll be all, everyone will be able to see what's going on in our Thrive Today Facebook page. That's where you'll get all the information. We have an exclusive private group with exclusive information, videos, uh, interaction in there. That's at Thrive Supporters. That's a private group that you get access to by becoming a financial supporter to all the work at Thrive. So that's everything that's going on on Facebook. And I know for most of you, Facebook is fine. And, uh, you know, for some of you don't use it. Well, we've heard the cry. There's a lot of people out there saying, DJ, what about Instagram? What's going on with Instagram? Well, let me tell you, you might have heard, we've got an Instagram account. Yeah, thrivetoday.tv. If you search for thrivetoday.tv on Instagram, you'll find us. We've got a brand new Instagram account. We're still, uh, you know, kicking the tires and making sure the engine runs okay. But we would love you to follow and like what we're doing on Instagram. We want to interact with you on Instagram. Share some of the, uh, you know, the information and the tidbits and the recorded podcasts that we have over on Instagram there. And it's a great way for you to be able to reshare that to your friends on Instagram. I know we've got a lot of grammars out there who live on the gram. And uh, this is a way for us to connect with you there. So please make sure you go over on your Instagram account. Follow us, thrivetoday.tv. If you do that, thrivetoday.tv on Instagram will come straight up. Give us a follow and uh, like some of the posts there. Interact with us there. All right, that's enough for me. We've got, how, how does this work? We're going from Instagram right back thousands of years ago to the book of numbers now on Thrive Deeper. <laughs> Deeper episode 118 and we are trekking our way through the wilderness in the book of Numbers. DJ and Matthew here. Matt, we've just left uh, the Israelites with a very old Moses uh, still leading them. Uh, Mm. They're at the outskirts of the promised land. They're beginning to take over some little skirmishes. They've they've beaten the Amorites. They're dealing with Moab. They're dealing with different people here. And then we're introduced to an insane, insane character. That's right. So let me just summarize a few things up to this point. So they've moved, they've been down uh, in the southern deserts in the area of Edom. Uh, They keep, they're always asking permission, can we pass through so that with the Edomites, now they're related to the Edomites, of course, the Edomites are the descendants of Esau. Esau. Now this is a bit further back, this is in chapter 20, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, in chapter 20, they pass through Edom, ask permission uh, in response the Edomite, you know, who they're related to. So Edom is, you know, again, there's a mountain range in what is now southern um, uh, uh, southern Jordan. And it's actually the, the amazing city of Petra is there. You've seen the yes. sort of Indiana Jones uh, sort of temple carved into a rock. Uh, amazing place to visit. That was down in the area of Edom. Okay. Uh, that so they've they've marched through there. That's where Aaron died, and and uh, there's a traditional spot there in those mountains where yes. uh, apparently his tomb is. And then so they're going up. Uh, so they're on what's they're on the eastern side of the Jordan. They're moving up. They go through the uh, area of of Moab. So, you know, so with all and that area of the Mo- of the Amorites again, same thing. Yeah. Can we pass through? No, yeah. send out an army. So they're conquering these areas. Yes. So they're actually going to. Um, with with some of these areas, they're actually going to now control these areas. It wasn't yeah. originally part of the borders of the promised land, no. but they're going to own these areas because of 
uh, of the fact that these guys came out to attack them. Of course, yep. the covenant, covenant who, whoever blessing? curses yes. you, I will curse. Okay, yep. so by coming out against them, uh, they've basically forfeited their land, and um, and so the same thing happens. So they come to Moab. And, and, then, uh, and we're in chapter 22 here, and we're introduced to the king of Moab, yeah. which is Balak, yeah. uh, or Balak, or however you yeah. want to pronounce it, and this crazy character yeah. called Balaam. That's right. Now, so uh, Balak realizes that, um, you know, word, even in the ancient world, word gets round. Yeah. And he realizes, right, we're, we're not going to defeat these guys. Yeah. <laughs> They've wiped out the Edomites or wiped out the Amorites. Yeah. Uh, they're winning all these battles. We need a different uh, tactic here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, bring out the nuclear weapons. And in the ancient world, the nuclear weapons was a spiritual warfare. Yes. We're going to go to, and they ha- he ha- he had a he had a nuclear weapon yeah. uh, in the uh, in, in the cupboard. He didn't was didn't quite. It was so powerful that he didn't. He needed to kind of barter with this yeah. guy Balaam. But Balaam was. Well, what is Balaam? Um, he's a he's a kind of sorcerer, diviner, uh, uh, pagan prophet, prophet. Yep. Um, uh, and uh, so he, he he is an interesting guy, um, and but powerful enough for Balak to feel I can go to this guy. He's going to put a curse on this nation, and that's how we're going to beat them. And it's inter- it's interesting that there's an echo here because even uh, Balak, the king of Moab. When he in, he's sending his you know first lot of uh, yeah. you know crowd to to Balaam the prophet, yeah. he says, "Listen, Balaam, I need you because I know that whoever yeah. you curse are cursed, and whoever you bless are blessed." And it's like, yeah. hang on, we've heard that before. Yeah, that's right from the God of these yeah. Israelites. Well, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? And that's that's an important trigger because like whoever you curse is cur- whoever you- no. Well, actually, God's going to uh, play. Uh, the God card here and say, yeah. no, actually it's whoever I blessed is blessed and yeah. you can't curse who I bless. Yeah. So there's, there's this kind of contest here. And, and actually what we see is, is a classic example of God using someone for his purpose. I mean, God, we, what we see in scripture is God even uses evil spirits for yeah. his purpose. Yeah. Um, so God is going to show who is really God, who, who is really has the power here. And he's going to use the very instrument that is meant to be a curse on Israel. He's going yeah. to use this instrument to bless Israel. Uh, so it's um, it's a yeah. cra- it's a crazy story. And to fast forward, you know, the Lord God of the Israelites, our Lord yeah, yeah. Yahweh, does talk to Balaam, and Balaam seems totally what it like totally. A fine with it. It's not like he's well, he, surprised. Well, he's compelled by. I mean, you know, God well, speaks to him. Yeah, he's well. He's compelled, and also he knows exactly what he can and can't do with yeah. this God character. Yeah. But it's not like it doesn't say. Oh, and Balaam fell down because he'd never seen God before. He was yeah. just like cool. Whatever you know, he was yeah. very yeah. whatever about it. Finally, he so he disagrees with it. Balak sends another mob out. He finally says, "Okay, I'll come with him because they're offering him lots yeah. of money. Yeah. There's lots of money in this cursing and blessing job." And he's like, "Okay, I'll go." He sits on his little little uh, old female donkey that he's had for ages. They go, and there's an angel of the Lord. It's a classic Sunday school story that you've yeah. seen a thousand times. Well, it gets yeah. This is where it gets really weird. And there's you know. The the angel of the Lord with a sword is blocking the path. The donkey's like, no, can't go. Hurts Balaam, like either, you know, pushes him into a wall. Because Balaam doesn't see this. Balaam can't see the angel. The donkey sees it. Yeah. Yeah. And so after after it happens several times, finally, the Lord gives the donkey, this is one of the craziest things ever, the gift of speech. Yeah. And the donkey is able to turn around to Balaam and say, I'm I'm trying to save your life here, man. There's yeah. an angel in the way. I've always served you well. Like we yeah, get yeah. to hear the donkey's attitude, you know. I've which, done- which is actually amazing. I mean, as as a just a uh, parenthetical kind of point, it's actually amazing what this says biblical view of like animals. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's a side point. Yeah. But again, this is when you find a weird story. Yes. There's there's a there's an important point to its weirdness. This is not just oh, something. I mean, you read uh, ancient myths, and and there's w- weird stuff happening all the time. Yes. Um, uh, but this is this is important because it shows. I mean, we've got to remember here. Balaam is a very powerful sorcerer, diviner, seer. He is a seer. That's yep. what. That's the other word for them. Yep. Someone who sees spiritually. Right. Yeah. This shows his impotence because actually. 
he on the way there, he can't see the, the angel. angel. And, but the donkey does, right? And so uh, God's, you know, and actually it's the donkey that really shows more wisdom here. Mm. You know, and, and again, you know, the this idea that, you know, it's by his pronouncing the curse that, that this Israel is going to be cursed, and yet you know the donkey is allowed to speak, and and so there's there's a there's this sense that you know God can work with anything, yeah, uh, including a donkey. including a donkey. You know what yeah. I mean? So the donkey actually sees and sees the truth, speaks the truth, whereas Balaam is really he's really the one looking like the donkey uh, in all of this. So so this is. Uh, this is making an important point to and, Balaam. And it it's also, a humbling and it, moment for it's, Balaam. It's a humbling moment and it really reifies for him because he, like Balaam basically repents yeah. and says, oh, look, I, you've caught me. I'm, I've done the wrong thing. And the angel of the Lord says, no, it's okay. Go with them. Go to, ba- go to yeah. the king of Moab. But remember, yeah. you say and do only what I tell you to do. Yeah, that's right. So- so having having made this point, and by this time Balaam's learned yeah. <laughs> this lesson, and and so it's it's kind of safe. Okay, yep, you can go with Balak, uh, and uh, and this is when you get these these moments where they go to a high place, right? And the yes. high places are important um, in this in this region because uh, they are cultic places, right? Mm-hmm. This is places where are seen as kind of overlapping with the heavens, right? So so cursing, you got to you know you got Cursing from a high place um, is seen as being a more powerful thing. Now, interestingly, um, if you go to Petra, when last time I was there, there's a there's a a path right up to the top of one of the mountains, and um, uh, I went up there, and there's actually a, a an altar of an original high place. One of the very few examples that you can uh, see of this in the Middle East. There's actually a, a, an altar with steps actually carved into the top, right at the uh, right at the top of the mountain, so uh, so that was fun to see. And when I was there, I thought about um, uh, I thought about you know the, the uh, uh, Balaam up at the high place, you know, uh, looking over the, the plains of Moab. Anyway, so um, so they so what happens to summarize is that he when he opens his mouth over the people of Israel, what comes out? Yeah. Blessing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and poor old the king yeah. of Moab is like, and what 20, are you doing? So 23.8, he says, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? Now, this is stunning at this point, right? Mm. Because this is at the end of 40 years when you would think, Surely God has rejected his people now, right? And this is really, in a sense, what this is what this is demonstrating. When something is given this much space in the text, right, this goes for chapters, this whole incident of mm. Balaam, right, is given mm. so much space in the text. Mm. So, so what's, the, what's the point about that? Why so much space? You know, because he goes, what happens is, you know, he blesses them from this place and Balak, you know, Gets angry. Right, we'll go to another high place. So he goes to another, which is fascinating to understand the the thinking of the ancient people that somehow this God of Israel, like, is there's there's a spiritual entity yeah. attached to the land that they're in to the yeah. place. So because you're getting blessing here from this part of the land, let me take you to another. Yeah, part. I'm going to go to another mountain because yeah. maybe the you know the God of that mountain is yes. going to yeah. uh, is going to be more powerful. So he takes yeah. him to another high place and you know opens his mouth and yet again. Uh, there is, you know, there is blessing coming out of his mouth. I mean, in uh, chapter 23, verse 20, uh, I've received a command to bless. He is blessed and I cannot change it, you know. Um, and down in verse 23, um, but as part of this blessing that he's declaring over the people, in verse 23 of chapter 23, he says, there is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. <laughs> I can't, I cannot curse this people. He's saying, with all of my power, this is the most powerful diviner uh, and, and sorcerer in the land, and he's saying, I cannot, no matter what high place, I cannot uh, curse this people because they are blessed. And then you get the third time, chapter 24, and again, takes him to yet another place and then curse him from there. Nope, opens his mouth and again, out comes blessing. Like verse five, how beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. This is what comes out of his mouth. Like this is an expression of the heart of God for these people, which is stunning, as I said, because the whole point here is, has God rejected his people? Because they have exhibited uh, so much, uh, so much, 
um, mistrust and and I mean, talking another generation here uh, who who are a lot better off than the former generation. But the question is, has God rejected His people? Yeah. And the answer is no, he hasn't. Yeah. Why? Because he made a promise to Abraham. He's true to his promises. God is faithful. God said, uh, I will bless you, uh, bless your descendants. These are the descendants yeah. of Abraham. And God is saying, I'm serious about this. You're blessed. And, and it's insane because not only this, the fourth and final you know, poem that we get from Balaam yeah. here. And, and again, it is, it's, it, we are told that Balaam... The spirit of God Himself is coming, is yeah. talking through Balaam. Yeah, that's and, right. And it's it's an amazing scene. And Balaam gives a prophecy about a star rising out of out yeah. of the people of Jacob. I know. Yeah. Who's and, go, and again, you're you're there as the king of the Moabs, paying this guy to curse the people for yeah. you, do the spiritual voodoo on them, and he's standing up saying, "No, not only can I not curse these people, a star is going to raise out of these people, a star of the descendants of Jacob, and he's going to smash the Moabites down. He will yeah, rule over right. them. Yeah. And it's like you can see the king of Moab <laughs> going." What is going on? Like he yeah, realizes, right. then I can't do anything. That's right, and of course he's talking about David. This is the uh, this a promise of the Davidic dynasty, and and ultimately, uh, ultimately this is a messianic prophecy. Mm. Uh, really, um, the idea of you know crushing, uh, he will crush your head. That's a kind of uh, links back to Genesis three fifteen yeah. about against Satan, he will strike your heel, but. Uh, but the offspring of the woman will crush the head uh, of the serpent. And so, yeah, he will crush the foreheads is a kind of indicator uh, of that, the fact that this uh, this anointed one, this Messiah, initially David, but ultimately Jesus Christ is going to, uh, you know, and this comes from the mouth of a pagan prophet, you know, oh. by the Holy Spirit. It's really stunning. Uh, and so he brings, you know, he brings uh, a few more messages. And then... When we get to chapter 25, see, this is interesting because outright curse hasn't worked, right? No. You can't outrightly curse this people. Okay, so let's try a different tactic, Yeah, right? Let's try and lure them mm. into curse. We can't curse them outrightly, but let's see if they will actually... So, so there's this sense in that, you know, these demonic entities that are represented in these high places and that, that uh, you know, uh, through which... You know, want to bring a curse through, but they can't. They're rendered implement uh, impotent. But can we get the Israelites to play into the hands of these demonic entities? You know, behind the gods of mm. the of the Moabites. Well, that actually they succeed in to it some works. extent. That's right. Yeah. That that actually works. And this is where you get um, this uh, this incident about. Um, the Israelites being drawn into sexual immorality with Moabite women. This is probably connected to the Moabite cult yes. as well. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. It's not just yeah, yeah. like, oh, these chicks look nice, I'm, we're yeah. heading over there. Yeah. It's like, no, this is a part of their spiritual yeah, practice. Because, this is their right. religion. And that's explicit here because the Moabite, Moabite women – so get this. I mean, you know, Balak has, has, um, has not um, been able to – it is – Balak is uh, – Yes. Yep, that's right. I keep thinking because there's a um, uh, there's a, a German footballer, uh, Balak. <laughs> I keep thinking of that. Well, just keep, 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 keep uh, in mind. Yeah, keep that's mind. right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he you know he hasn't been able to outrightly attack these people, no. so you know he sends in the women to invite them to a sacrificial meal. Yeah. Uh, which is going to involve, uh, you know, is going to involve sex, and it's all bound up in this cult. And surely enough, they get they get drawn into this. Um, yeah. And uh, so, and then the Lord's anger burns against them. You know, I mean, the 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 penalty uh, in the law for this this is the worst thing you can do. I mean, particularly against the backdrop of what's just happened. Yes. Right. It's like no, they need to be. Like execution is the thing. It's like deal with this decisively. Uh, and um, so uh, Moses says to Israel's judges, each of you, which is interesting because um, it says here, it says the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, right? It's the leaders who are yes. who are complicit here, right? Yeah. Um, now, Moses says to Israel's judges, though each of you must be must put to death those of your people who yoke themselves to. So he, Moses actually changes the rules. God yeah. said one thing, 
but uh, but he actually then tells the judges to do another thing, which is interesting uh, here. It and and there's no record of even that happening. No. Right. So then you get this guy, probably because oh, actually not much is happening here. There's not much consequence, and uh, he flagrantly brings a woman, one of these women, into the camp. Yes. Takes him back to his tent, like really. Uh, flagrantly, yeah, an Israelite man. We don't even get his name. Brings yep. a Midianite woman in, and then we're introduced to uh, Aaron's grandson, Phineas. Yeah. So the the question is, is anyone yeah. here right? Because yeah. Moses hasn't really carried through. Is anyone here yeah. willing to actually do the thing that God? said to do. And well, here comes Phineas. And this is not just a matter of just killing some random person. The person that he kills is the son of a leader of the Simeonites. So, you know, the the, the death here is an attempt to put the Lord's original uh, command uh, into action. And he he, he kills the woman as well. Uh, There was a a plague rolling out through the Israelites. It had killed 24,000. And God says, look, thank, thank the Lord for Phineas. Yeah. You guys raise up, with, and I, I love this story because it's because as they're at the at the entrance to this new promised land, yep. it's almost like we get a sense of oh, this younger generation is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, that's right. Because Phinehas, he actually he represents that yeah. younger generation. Yeah. He has this. He becomes, in fact, from this point on in the Israelite and Jewish tradition, he becomes the model of zeal for the Lord. What does zeal for the Lord look like? It's the guy that's willing to do the tough thing to actually. Now, in this form, of course. Uh, this you know this is not always the kind of zeal that God no. is looking for, and the and and this you know this uh, this kind of thing you know ha- had its place these sort of necessary evils in a sense. The point is, is who is actually going to do yeah. what God has said? Like seriously, who is yeah. there anyone here? Yeah. That, yeah, because because remember the the former generation they weren't willing to go in and do the thing that God. Uh, yeah. Asked them to do, which was a harsh thing. But is anyone willing to do this hard thing? Yeah. Well, you get exactly the same thing here, and Phineas, in a sense, represents this new generation who's willing to do the tough thing. And then we get introduced uh, in the light of that. We get introduced that uh, we get introduced to Joshua. Yep. The, the Lord and Moses have a chat. They talk about who is going to be leading next. Moses. You know, is 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 praying and saying, please, they need a leader. And basically, Lord says, "Hey, look behind you. You got Joshua right there, mate. Let's bring him in. Do yeah, this." Right. Da, da, da. Joshua is, yeah, yeah. and that know. that happens just after the census. So I, I know the census is a boring bit, but yeah. the what comes out of that? This is the second great census after forty years. Yes. Now, what we see is the numbers about the same as it was before. Yeah. So the point is this: there'd been lots of judgment, okay, uh, uh, but the. God's people hasn't shrunk. This no. is the point. They've yeah. been in the desert, right? Yes. Um, For 40 years. Yeah, they've been in battle, they've been, you know, and the whole point is that God has preserved his people. Now they haven't they haven't expanded much, right? But they haven't shrunk. Okay. Right. So God has preserved his that's the point of that census, okay? Yeah. And then so yes, and then you get this And, and then we get the, the the final chapters are a mix of um because we're running out of time. The final yep. chapters in the book of Numbers are, uh, are more rules and regulations, but there was one, you know, you know, and, and they're all and, important. And, and, well, well, they're important because this is a new generation, yes. And God is saying again, saying to them, "This is all this space given to offerings and and festivals, and yep. they are going to they are going to stay on track." Through regular worship of God, this yeah. is God saying, "This is how you are going to stay focused on Me." Yes, it's the offerings and the festivals and these regular moments yep. where they're going to get together and acknowledge God. Yeah, and that's going to become the key. How do different vows work? What happens if you, yeah. if you know, the, uh, a vow of a woman and how a woman is related and yeah. protected by, by you know, the men in her life? Yeah, so that's uh, sort of in there uh, as as part of not. Uh, um, you know, staying true to God, yes. you know, how to stay true to God. That's what really all of this is about. Yeah. But the key bit there is really those offerings and festivals and yeah. stay true to this, like stick with me, God's saying. The city, city of Levites, you've got stories about cities of refuge and things like yeah. that. But there's a story There's a story that just really jumped out to me, the difference between these generations from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. Yeah. We have these uh, descendants of, uh, you know, Reuben and Gad, yeah, you know, come before Moses, and 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 apparently they are the they're the shepherds of the shepherds. These yeah. guys, these yes. guys, these yeah, guys. Are, a good point. Yeah. yeah, these guys are really, you know, have got, you know, apparently they've got more 
uh, you know, cattle and sheep and everything else and everybody yeah. else. Yeah. And, they, and where they are on this side of the Jordan, looking into the into the Canaanite land, land, they come before him. This next generation comes before Moses and says, Moses, listen, we've got a lot of family. We've got a lot of sheep. We've got a lot of things. Where we are right now, just over there, look over there. Yeah. That is perfect, yeah. perfect yeah. to settle in. Yeah, that's right. Let, let us go take the land. We'll set up our 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 areas, and okay. Um, well, let me let me interrupt you here because because the the initial uh, can we just stay here? Yeah, can right. we stay there? But it, Moses's reaction, I love Moses' reaction. Yeah. This is grumpy old Moses. Yeah. You know, at the end of his age, he's like, "You <laughs> well, dirty! You want to let us go fight, and you're going to say like his, his reaction is like." He doesn't see. It's almost like he's saying, "You're just like your, you're just like your forefathers. You're just like your parents." Yeah. And they go, and then you hear them go, "No, no, no, Moses, you got us wrong. You got us wrong. Yeah. We will put everybody yeah, here, right. but we will God in front of God. We promise we will not come back to our wives and our children and our livestock until we help defeat yeah, everybody right. else that's right. for the rest of these wives." That's right. And Moses, and you can hear Moses go. Okay, oh, sorry about that. That sounds good. Let's go. And like, look, that's the point because when they mention that, you think, oh, no, this is Numbers 13 all yes, over again. This yeah. is, they're refusing to enter the promised land. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it does show in contrast that this next generation is uh, yeah. is different. Yeah. And it's not that they don't want to go in. It's almost like they, they go, you know, listen, Moses, we are ready to fight. We're ready to take over this land. We believe. Yeah. Let's just, we can do more damage for you if we leave everything yeah. here and we go on and we'll be really good fighters for you. Yeah, that's right. You know, so yeah. we've got the setup of the Reubenites again. Yeah. We're going to hear, hear from them again in the yeah. future. But I just, there's something about that story that really made me go, oh my goodness, you know, Moses is really dealing with, you know, the, 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 the two generations and this next generation between Phineas, Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. These Reubenites and Gad yeah. guys, there's something different going on yeah, here. Yeah, that's there's right. There's something different th- that's going on here. So at the end of Numbers, you know, we've got all the laws, we've got all these different things set up, and Moses basically is really old. He sits down with them, and they're ready to go, and then we, we, we're we set up for the next book, the last yeah. book. Yeah, that's which right. is, book of Deuteronomy. Yeah, where where right. Moses basically says, yeah. let's recap. Yeah, so before, yeah, that's right. So before they do anything, he's going to – preach a very long sermon to them before he passes away. Yeah. Uh, we get, uh, you know, one of the greatest sermons in history, yes. uh, which is uh, the book of Deuteronomy, which is going to be key, uh, you know, a key moment. So that'll be, we'll look at that yeah. uh, next time. That's, that's, we've yeah. got, we've got two more episodes yeah. for the, uh, you know, for these five books of, of yeah. Moses. Yeah. Uh, two more. We're going to go through Deuteronomy over two books, and again, uh, over two episodes. Uh, wow! I'm not the one who's coming up with the schedule. You are. Don't wow me. You, you, we're doing that with Deuteronomy, like you say, the greatest sermon of all time. Yeah, we're going to somehow condense it into two episodes. No, it'll be good. But uh, you know, I, I, I love this, and I love the lessons we've learned out of the Book of Numbers, generation. You know, from one generation to the next. Uh, Matt, as as it, it's spoken so much to me about faith. Yeah. And about really understanding who fights our battles and who is, you know, like who is really doing it. And it's such a practical an example that that I've read here. What what it's been, has there been anything that's jumped out to you at the end? Yeah, it always, reading these stories uh, always underscores uh, something about human nature. I think I'm always careful not to say, oh, that's them and, and we're not like, and aren't they just stupid? I mean, you can learn a lot about yourself. And, and if you ask God to show you, we're uncomfortably more like these people than, than we like to think. And But it also underscores the fact that there is always grace. There is so much grace throughout this story. And, you know, that section about God's blessing through they he could not curse them and it's like those whom god blesses all we need to do is respond and receive that and we can walk in god's blessing and there is always grace and that is something we're going to see even more as the story goes on well that's it for the book of numbers for now for now on Thrive Deeper. Just two episodes. We've left so much on the cutting room floor, as it were. We've left so much in the book for you to discover on your own. And there's so much in the book of Numbers. And also, on our next episode, we're going into Deuteronomy. There's so much in these books that are patterns 
and examples and threads that continue on through the rest of Scripture. I'm excited that you'll be able to take hold of these and and follow them along as you read the Word of God. Now, don't forget, we want you to head over to thrivetoday.tv, our website, but also we've got a brand new Instagram account, Instagram. If you head over to Instagram, I know a lot of you love Instagram. You live on Instagram, thrivetoday.tv. Just do a search for us there. Follow along. Give us a like. We'll put some stuff up there. There's all new stuff happening with our social media, and we would love you to get involved. Do that at thrivetoday.tv. Well, until next fortnight, on behalf of Matt, Stewart, and the team, this has been DJ Payne saying thrive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.